Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Radio Days. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Here we feature mostly cop and detective shows, plus adventure, plus surprise. You never know, but it's the best from the golden age of radio. We'll guarantee that. For those of you who want non-stop crime buster and detective shows, you can now add 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to your podcast library. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. Brand new for 2023 and growing fast. Enjoy! From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Stroll Bail Bond and Insurance Agency, State, Federal, and Immigration, all forms of surety bonds and insurance. Oh, yeah? Well, I'm sorry. I don't need me. No, no, no. That's not the point. I need you to the tune of saving me $50,000. How does that work? Uh, I made bond for two men that were subpoenaed for a federal investigation. They skipped out, and I've got to find them. Who's mixed up in this investigation? A fellow by the name of Jack Madigan is the big shot. You know him? I've read about him. Enough to advise you to give up. If he doesn't want him found, the chances are they won't be. Alive, anyway. No, 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 it's, it's not as bad as that. Look, I came all the way from New York. This is worth a lot to me. Can't I talk to you about it? All right. Come up to my apartment. Maybe we can work out a deal. Edmund O'Brien in a transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, Hartford, Connecticut, to the Struhl Bail Bond and Insurance Agency in New York City. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Jack Madigan matter. Expense account item 1250, phone to New York for purposes of checking your reputation. I learned that you, Mr. Struhl, were by no means above reproach, but decided that if a federal court trusted your agency, I would at least hear you out when you arrived which you did at 1 p.m. Mr. Dollar? Come on in, Mr. Stroll. Thank you. Thanks for sparing me your time. I'm in a mess. Sit down. You should have known better than to make bond for anybody that was going to testify against Jack Madigan. Well, there was nothing I could do about it. Well, who forced you into it? Madigan? I've done business with some of his friends before, so he came to me this time and said, will I do it? The way he said it, there was nothing else I could do. Madigan stood the expense himself? Sure. He wanted them where he could get his hands on them, and it looks like he did. Or they took a run out. 
They didn't have to accept Bond. They could have stayed in protective custody if they were afraid of him. They had to if Madigan told them to. The point is, they're gone. Unless I can prove they're dead or find them before they're due in court, I forfeit the 50000 apiece. I've got to do something. Why'd you come to me? I told you, I've got to do something. Yeah, it's a federal problem. You operate in New York, and New York has plenty of hungry private detectives, I hear, and a fair-sized herd of policemen. I'll tell you why I came to you. The New York cops are busy enough, and besides, to them, these witnesses are just two names on a long list of missing persons. And as for private dicks, I could never be sure that one wouldn't want to make a deal with Madigan and make more money not finding them than I'd be paying to find them. You get the point? What makes you think you can trust me? Well, you were mentioned by a fellow from one of the insurance companies I sell for. They tell me you're straight, except for padding your expense account here and there. Oh, that's slander. Who told you that? (laughs) Don't make any difference. What's a little padding? I want to hire you. Okay, Mr. Stroll, you've hired me. Great. Now, who are these missing witnesses? Uh, Nippy Bruno is one. Real name's Joe. The other is Max Krause. I've got their addresses next to kin, what they look like, and so on. Yeah, I got it all in this envelope here. Okay. Oh, there's one other thing. Yeah? I want a retainer. 2,500 bucks. What's that for? To pay for going to work for a man I don't quite trust. But 2,500 bucks, that's pretty steep, eh? isn't it? You don't have to pay it. It's up to you. Yes, but... Well, I can't get it till tomorrow. That'll be fine. A cashier's check. When I get it, I'll see what I can do for you. I didn't expect the check to arrive, but it did. Special messenger the next afternoon. Expense account item two, $12.50, transportation from Hartford to New York City. Expense account item three, $23.85, dinner and drinks for a Herald American reporter who was more familiar with Jack Madigan than I. His statement unclosed. A lot of things have been written and said about Madigan by a lot of people, including me. None of us really know anything about him, how much power he has, where he got it, what his private life is, if any. These witnesses being missing isn't even news. People who've gotten in his way have been dropping out of sight for years. Jim Schwartz and Big Tom Green, Woody South, just to name a few. I'd keep that in mind if I were you. Expense account item four, 180, cab fare. That same address to an address on 79th. The apartment of Nippy Bruno's next of kin, a sister, stage name, Vivian Brown. Vivian Brown in? Who shall I say is calling? My name is Dollar. Mr. Dollar? She doesn't know me. Tell her I have some news about her brother. Come in, please. This way, please. Miss Brown is dressing to go out. I'll ask if she'll see you. Miss Brown? Yes? What is it? Mr. Dollar is here to see you. He says he has news about your brother. Tell him to wait. I'll get a robe on. Shall I take your hat? Thanks. Please sit down. Miss Brown will be right out. Uh, what was your name? I didn't get it. Dollar, Johnny Dollar. 
What makes you think I'd be interested in any news about Brother Nippy? Well, the mention of him got me in here. My butler doesn't slam the door on anybody until I tell him to. What brought you here? I'm looking for your brother. Then you've definitely come to the wrong place. Why should you be looking for him? I'm being paid to. The man who put up $25,000 bond for him wants to know where he is. I don't get it. What bond? You don't wear innocence very well, Angel, but I'll go along with the gag. It's no gag, and I can do without your insult. Your brother's due in court in two weeks to help the federal men investigate Jack Madigan. He seems to have dropped out of sight. Do you know where he is? No. I haven't seen much of him in the past few years. He doesn't approve of me, and I don't approve of him. Does that answer your question? It brings another one to mind. He seemed to think enough of you to use your name on his bond request papers. How about that? All right, Peeper. I was only trying to do it easy for you. Red! I heard it. You walked into something, Peeper. I usually do. But I'm glad to see you in character. That automatic makes more sense than that phony butler act did. Stand up. Better see if he's carrying anything, Vivian. Okay. Be a good boy now. Until you try to palm my wallet, I will. Well, it's all right. He's safe. You can sit down, Dollar. Uh, well, what now? He should be here in 20 minutes. I'll go back to my room. Sure, go ahead. What's the rough stuff, Red? It hasn't been rough. But you don't know how close you came to getting your head blown off buzzing this door. It's liable to happen to the next one that does. Light yourself a smoke. We've got about 20 minutes to wait. So we waited 20 minutes. Vivian came back into the room in a low-cut number that was a good choice for her sullen brunette attractiveness. It made her look softer. But the few remarks she passed weren't only icy. They could have come from a longshoreman. I was waiting for a brother to come in. That would have made sense. What did come in made none at all. It was Jack Madigan. Hi, Jack. Come on in and see what found me. Well, what do you know about this? How are you, Jack? Fine, thanks. What are you doing with that pistol? We wanted to play it safe. Yeah, he's a detective of some kind. He was hired by that stool to find Nippy. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? What do you have to say for yourself, my boy? Matter of fact, I'm speechless, Madigan. Oh? How's that? I thought I'd have to find you. I didn't expect you to find me. Yet, at least. And and here. Mm-hmm. What's so strange about that? You and the sister of the missing witness? Huh. Maybe not so strange at that. Shut up! Keep your remarks to yourself, you two-bit yeah, yeah, heel. Yeah, you cool off. Who makes me a highball? And you, put that gun away and go help her with the ice. If you say so, Jack. Of course I say so. Go on. I'm sorry, Jack. Uh, he's been needling me for half an hour. <laughs> I ought to take her across my knee, waving that gun in your face. What for? Anybody knows you can't fire a gun in these apartment houses without causing a ruckus. Uh, what's your name? Dollar. And Manny Stroll hired you to find Nippy. And the other man, Kraus. Well, I'll tell you what to do. You go back to Strule and tell him the boys are all right. Oh, let's not be childish, shall we? In what river are they all right? Now, see here, there's no need to take such a pessimistic view. I realize the press has given me a reputation for violence, but I don't deserve it. 
There's no reason for me to want to harm those boys. I'm not afraid of their testimony. I'm counting on it. Sure, sure. And straight testimony. No perjury this time. Why, I've already talked to those federal men. I'm cleaning the slate this time, telling everything, and let the chips fall where they may. What kind of stuff is this? The truth. I'm tired. I've been at sword's point with the police and my government long enough. I've been offered certain little leniencies, and I'm going to accept. It's been later than I thought for a long time. I'm through. You know, this is almost funny. I'm dead serious. You go back and tell that police coroner tout that the boys are all right. Where are they? I can't tell you that. I've got them undercover for their own good. Now, Dollar, don't go off half-cocked. A lot of heads are going to fall after the three of us have finished this federal catechism. If you think you're the only one looking for them, you must be a stranger in town. <laughs> you're trailing the pack. Well, if this is all I get from you, I've heard enough. You'll drop it? If I don't find them before you're due in court, I will. What do you want, son? Money. I got some, thanks. I don't like to hear that. I suppose it takes a lot of guts to be a hero, but it sure doesn't take much brains. Remember that. I can leave? Of course you can leave. Because I think you're going to talk this over with yourself and come up with an important decision. I did talk it over with myself, but not until I found a cab stand on the corner and turned around. A quarter of a block behind me, I could make out the figure of Red, the so-called butler. Expense account item five, twenty dollars, fair and tip to a driver who saw to it that our cab wasn't followed. When I felt reasonably safe, I gave him the address of the second missing man, Max Krauss. I didn't know what I expected to find there, other than an empty flat with possibly a lead of some kind. There was a trace of light showing under the door. Come on in, Dollar. Red. I didn't expect a butler in a place like this. Come on in. Why didn't you use your head? Jack gave you a chance to. Maybe I should have. What are you doing here? I live here. You trying to tell me that you're Max Krause? I'm Max Krause. And now I've got to do something about you. Can you prove that you're Max Krause? Why should I have to prove it? Go ahead. Think what you want to. You've got brains. Reach up behind you and snap off the light. Don't make a play for the gun, Dollar. What are your plans? American wants you put away until after the investigation. Come on. This way. Back door's closer. You can tell Madigan for me that this isn't going to work. If I drop out of sight for two weeks, somebody's going to get on the trail. It leads right back to Madigan. This way. I got a car in a garage down the street. That's him. Get down! Max, let me see. Sure. Now, now you believe him. Let me get your coat. Get away. I, I hate your girl. 
return to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. Once a year, the community chest comes knocking at your door, seeking your help. Giving to this worthy cause eliminates many separate appeals, which would be more costly in money, time, and effort. So when you give, make sure you give enough to cover the many campaigns the community chest includes. Give generously. Give today. Now, with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return you to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. When the windows in the buildings around me started slamming open, I left the scene of the killing and carried with me a whole new set of thoughts on the Jack Madigan matter. None of them were good, but the worst was the fact that the description I'd gotten of Max Krauss would in no way fit the dead man I now thought was Max Krauss. Expense account item six, cab fare to your address, Mr. Struhl. But it's 11 at night, Mr. Never mind what time it is. Find a chair and sit in it before you land on the floor. What's got into you? Sit down. Who paid you to hire me? What did you say? Who did? Paid me to hire you? What kind of a question is that? Answer it. Well, nobody did. It was my investment. Who would protect it but me? What's the matter with you? Come here, look at this. Read it right there. I want to hear you. Max Krauss, age 34, 5'11", 170 pounds, complexion, black hair, black eyes. Well, well, all right, why did you give me a phony description? Phony? The Max Krauss I found had red hair and blue eyes. I don't get it. None of this. What are you talking about? Krauss is dead. He was killed because I didn't know who he was and drew him out into the open. When did this happen? It happened. I was picked up the minute I hit town and followed. Who else but you knew what train I was arriving on and the hotel where I was stopping? Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't think you've got right to jump at these conclusions. I hired you in good faith. But if you don't like the job, then quit. Not for a while. I stand a good chance of being picked up for questioning on that killing. I don't like that. I want an out. I want to know how it happened. From here, it looks like you sold out to somebody and hired me to put the finger on Krauss. I don't like that either. Let me tell you something. If I was crazy enough to do a thing like that, I'd do it so nobody could prove I What about the phony description? It may have been a mistake. I don't know how it happened. I think we'd better find out. And let me know when you come up with a story. Johnny Dollar. Oh, where are you? Not far from your place. Is Madigan there? No. Where is he? I don't know. He got a phone call and left right afterwards. Was the call about Krauss? He wouldn't tell me. What about Max? He was killed. Oh, I knew it was something awful. I could tell by his face. I've been scared to death ever since he left, and I didn't know why. I'll call back later and see if he's in. Mr. Dollar, I have no right to ask this, but there's something I want to tell you. Could you come up? Can't you tell me over the phone? No, I... Won't you come up? You alone? Yes, I'm alone. Okay. I'll take a chance. It'll be about ten minutes. It was a five-minute walk. And I noticed that New York streets seemed to be quieter than usual. Inside the building, I walked the two flights up to save the noise my arrival would have created by way of the elevator. I listened a few minutes outside a door without hearing anything. 
and took the plunge. I had the feeling you'd change your mind and not come. I almost did. Here. When did Madigan say he'd be back? He didn't. He didn't say anything. I have a funny feeling about Krause's death. But except for my getting mixed up in this mess, it was more Madigan's fault than your fault than it was mine. Why didn't he tell me it was Krause who was here? If he told me that, I probably would have believed the rest of his pitch. Oh, I don't know. Nobody really knows anything about Jack. Not even you? Nobody. You put three men on their way to federal court to sing and a few hundred wanting to stop him. The lid is going to blow. What do you want to tell me? I want... I want to tell you where my brother is. Huh? After what happened to Kraus, do you think that's wise? I have to say it. I'm in it, too. I think Jack knew these things were going to happen, even about you showing up. Knowing about it or planning it? I know it sounds impossible, but... I keep remembering things he said. About how he'd have the government men eaten out of his hand. He was bargaining for leniency. He told me, but why are you ratting on him? Because Jack doesn't care about anybody but himself. One of the threats to keep him from testifying was that I'd be kidnapped. Huh. If he'd known that Max would be killed, he'd have let him take me, too. You think he did know? He hadn't let Max out of his apartment for almost a month. Tonight, he ordered him to go. I think he wants us killed. So it'll make it look that much more dangerous for him. Does it... Sound too crazy? Well, not exactly, but it's hard to prove. I know that. And I did a foolish thing after he left. I called my brother Nippy and told him all this. I don't know what he thought, but I, I tried to call him again, and I don't get any answer. Where is he? He's been staying with Jack. It's over on Lexington, Brighton Arms, apartment 302. That's cozy. How afraid of kidnapping are you? Oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know how I can... Stand, staying here and waiting. Where can I go? Get a coat. I'll put you in my hotel room. <laughs> Expense account item six, ten dollars. Tip to the hotel detective to see that she stayed in the room. Item seven, one twenty cab fare to Jack Madigan's address. I dropped my taxi a half block down and walked the rest of the way. What slowed me was the sight of a couple of prowl cars parked in front of the building. And even at that time of night, a small group of the morbid in a scattered circle on the sidewalk. I saw the body, but didn't move close enough to recognize it. Hey, uh, what happened? Huh? Oh, shooting. Anybody know who it is? Uh, the whole country will in the morning. He was due for a big federal probe. That's Jack Madigan. Where were you, Fred? Taking in another of them westerns, I suppose. There was more shooting right here than the whole picture. Hey, uh, pardon me. Yeah? When did it happen, do you know? Uh, not exactly. They've been here quite a while. Oh, about an hour, anyway. Can't find the medical examiner, and they can't do a thing about moving them till they do. Hey, Fred, wait till the editorials tomorrow What's the matter? Your theory has just been riddled. Madigan's been killed. I don't believe... That's what the on-the-spot experts say. 
I was wrong about him. What about Nippy? I don't think your brother would have been there. Were they the same ones that shot Max? No. How do you know? Cars were parked solid at the curb, and Madigan was too close to them. He couldn't have been shot from the street like Max was. Do you think Nippy would go to your place? No, he wouldn't go there. That'd be the first place he'd look. The first place who'd look? I don't know why I said that. It's... Yes, I do. You're thinking the same thing, aren't you? That I told him what I was afraid of and warned him. That crossed my mind. But I don't care who I can send in for Madigan's killing as long as I can go home. You seem to be the closest suspect. You're not serious. You've given yourself a motive. As far as I know, you were with him last. I wasn't. He left the apartment. If that's true, you've got nothing to worry about. What do you mean? What do you want me to do? Go with me and we'll both make a statement to the police. You think I'm afraid to, don't you? I don't know what to think about you. Yes, you do. Because you found me in a mess like this, you think I'm as rotten as everybody else. I haven't been. But now I will be to protect myself. Well, how badly do you need protection? I know how the police are. They're just like you. They don't care either who they pull in for Jack's death. You tell me to go with you and make a statement. The police would love that. They'd love to count the whole thing off to jealousy or being afraid of Jack, wouldn't they? Wouldn't they? Ah, you don't touch me. I don't care what they'd like. Well, they would. It'd be much better to take me than to be laughed at because a star witness was killed right under their noses. We can call them and find out. No. It's easier to be rotten. I'll give you my brother. He is at my place. How do you know? I talked to him on the phone. He said he'd wait there until he heard from me again. Okay. I'll go over there. But I want you to come with me. Why? Haven't I done enough? Why do I have to see him? Come on. I don't want to lose you in case Nippy isn't there. It's going to work, Vivian. It's going to be a... Who's he? An insurance dick? That's right, Nippy. What are you doing here? Why'd you bring him, Viv? He made me do it. I asked her to make a choice between giving herself up for Madigan's killing or giving me you. Nippy. Put the gun away, Nippy. You've done enough. Is what he says true? He made me do it. He would have taken me to the police. You know what they would have done to me. But it's all right, Nippy. You can still work it out. Get away from me. She's wrong. You couldn't work it out. But you may do yourself some good by giving yourself up. Why did you do this, Vivian? Did you want to get rid of me, too? Oh, don't say that. You don't have what to let him... What are you going to do if you get rid of me? Who's going to take care of you? Who's going to find more Jack Madigans for you to play with? Nippy, don't. Who's going to do the job for you when you get fed up and afraid to tear yourself loose? You don't have to let him take you, Nippy. I know you could take care of it when he got here. Is she worth it, Nippy? There wouldn't be a chance to count me off to a gang killing. You don't have to be afraid of him. I'm not. Then take him and get away. Not him. I'm afraid of you, Vivian. You're going with me. Stay away from her. Nippy, let go. And stop fighting. I wouldn't hurt you. You will. Go, Nippy. Let me go. Now watch it, Dollar. Don't try it. Let go of me. Let go of me. Vivian, get it. 
I should have let him take it. Give me the police. Accessory. Mm. And I wouldn't advise your going her bail. No, I certainly won't. I've had trouble enough with this group. You know, you didn't make it easy for me with that phony description. Yeah, yeah, I know that description. It was given to me by Madigan's boys. I should have checked it. But don't worry, a mistake like that won't happen again. None of your mistakes will happen to me again. Huh? You'll understand what I mean, Stroh, when you get my bill. <laughs> Expense account item eight, same as item two. Item nine, miscellaneous, $2,500. Expense account total, $2,720. Remarks? I'm holding my retaining fee until this matter is settled. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Truly, Johnny Dollar stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd with music by Wilbur Hatch. Edmund O'Brien may soon be seen in the Paramount Pictures production, Warpath. Featured in tonight's cast were Sidney Miller, John Daner, Clayton Post, Jeanette Nolan, and John McIntyre. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is transcribed in Hollywood by Jaime Del Valle. This is Dan Coverley inviting you to join us next week at this time when we will again bring you Edmund O'Brien as yours truly, Johnny Dollar. How's for trying to sing it again tonight? $5,000 in cold hard cash and $10,000 in fine prizes are waiting for the CBS listener who can solve the Phantom Voice mystery. Dan Seymour will be on hand with those coast-to-coast phone calls. And Alan Dale, Eugenie Baird, Bob Howard, and the Riddlers will be making the music. And remember, there's many a fine prize for solving the tuneful little riddle songs that lead to the Phantom Voice mystery. It's an hour of fun and music to entertain you and perhaps pay off. Every Saturday night on most of these same CBS stations, here, sing it again. And now stay tuned for Vaughn Monroe's Caravan, which follows immediately on most of these same CBS stations. This is CBS, where Hubbellon Cassidy rides every Saturday night, the Columbia Broadcasting System. From Hollywood, it's time now for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. We're ready on your call to Boston. Go ahead, please. Hello? Yes? Mr. Semplin, this is Johnny Dollar. Johnny Dollar? I don't believe I remember you, Mr. Dollar. Well, we've never met. Your company hired me here in Hartford to investigate the Joan Sebastian death. Oh? It's odd that they didn't advise me. Well, they probably will. 
I called you to find out the name of the officer in charge of the case, if I could. It's a uh, Lieutenant DeRosa. DeRosa. Do you happen to know what their theory is, if any? Theory? I don't think they've arrived at a definite theory. Still a toss-up between murder and suicide, huh? Okay, Mr. Semplin. I'll be in touch. Edmund O'Brien in a transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office, Corinthian Life Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Joan Sebastian matter. Expense account item one, 175 phone call to Boston, advising your manager there of my assignment. Item two, $28, car rental and mileage from my Hartford apartment to police headquarters, Boston. What's the matter, Dollar? Don't you trust us? Well, it's not up to me to mistrust you, Lieutenant. These insurance people get uneasy when there's a choice between suicide and murder, unless the murder motive is the policy. And you don't think there's a chance of that? I wouldn't say definitely not, but the Sebastian girl made her mother her beneficiary, and her mother's an invalid in a rest home. Did, uh, did you know the mother has taken up with an old flame? No, I didn't. Oh, yeah, it goes to see her a couple, three times a week. Crazier things have happened. I'll uh, get the file for you. Sit down. Now, uh, this is all we've got so far, pending the coroner's inquest and the autopsy report. Here's a photo of where she was found. Ah, shallow water. That's the bridge? Uh-huh. Uh, she was lying right about there. But I don't think you have to worry about suicide, Dollar. As far as I'm concerned, it wasn't. Hmm. I'll buy that, too. I wouldn't say this bridge is a suicide type. It's too low. Yeah, yeah. And there's another thing. I've been on the force for more years than I like to count, and I've run into my share of suicides. But I've never known a woman to do it that way without taking off her coat. Oh? Yeah, usually shoes, too. I've learned that's part of a generally accepted pattern. The Sebastian girl didn't fit the pattern, huh? Yeah, here's, uh, here's the way she looked. Coat on, belt still tied. Shoes. Her purse is still missing. We're searching the stream for it. How old was she? Twenty-one. She's a beautiful girl. Yeah, I noticed that. I try not to, but with her, I couldn't help it. How much questioning have you done, Lieutenant? Oh, not as much as we'll do after the inquest. When will that be? Day after tomorrow. Do you want anything more here? No, thanks. I'll, uh, I'll give you the background we have on her. It's in my office. I won't bother you anymore, Lieutenant DeRosa. Besides, I like to dig up backgrounds myself. I know them better if I do. Thanks a lot for your cooperation. I drove out to the stream where they'd found the girl's body, and there chalked up another point against her death being a suicide. The bridge from which she had dropped was a good four miles from town. On the assumption that she'd been brought there in a car, the placement of a body in regard to the two lanes on the bridge made it look as if the car was going toward Boston, not away from it. Five minutes later, I was heading the same way. Mary O'Neill? Yes. 
The manager suggested I come up. He told me you shared this apartment with Joan Sebastian. That's right. Who are you? My name's Dollar. I'm from her insurance company. I'd like to talk to you about her if I could. Well, I suppose so, but there's nothing I can do now. This is the biggest shock I've ever had. I always said there'd be trouble. But I, I, I never thought she'd do anything like this. Maybe she didn't. What's that supposed to mean? Well, there are signs that say maybe she didn't commit suicide. There are? Do you think she had any reason to? Well, that's what I said. I never thought she would. Sit down. Any place. Thanks. Poor little Joan. What does it mean? I'm not sure. Did you say you expected trouble? Oh, yeah. I kept telling her. It was the way she went, like she couldn't live fast enough. Like, like there wasn't time to get everything done. She'd been like that ever since she got rid... I mean, her mother went into that hospital. Johnny was all tied down taking care of her before. What could have caused the trouble? Well, I, I'm not saying she was wrong or anything, but... Well, there were too many men. I imagine that was easy for her. Sure was. Too easy. Do you mind telling me who they were? Well, I, I don't know. Only, only about one... Harold Corey. He's gone with us the longest. Harold Corey? Yes, he drives for the North American van lines. Sometimes he goes way out to the West Coast. And, well, while he was gone, Joni didn't stay home and catch up on a reading, if you know what I mean. I think I do. She went out with a different guy almost every night. I didn't pry, but she, she never tell me who they were. You think somebody killed her, don't you? Would you help me try to find out? What could I do? You didn't want to pry, but I get paid to. I'd like to look at her things. Well, I suppose it's my duty, sort of, isn't it? In a way, yeah. But I can't force you to. Oh, I, I know it's a thing to do. Some of her drawers are locked, but I'll, I'll show you what I can. I started on the locked dresser drawers. They gave up and opened after a brief struggle, but contained on the whole... Things that might normally be locked up because of their value. Imported perfumes, expensive lingerie, and some jewelry. The only thing that looked as if it might have been hidden for the sake of secrecy was under the jewel box. It was a gold key, a functional house-type key, but with meaning added because the head of the key was heart-shaped. It hung from a fine gold chain. Well, I never saw that before. Never saw the perfume before either. But I smelled it. That's a few hundred dollars worth of scent. And the rest of it, was, uh, was Joan used to such expensive things? Well, not that I know about. Harold Corey sure couldn't shell out that kind of money. Heart-shaped key. That's cozy. I'd like to keep it if I could. Well, I, I don't know about that. After all, it isn't mine. I might get into trouble. You won't, I promise you. I'm working with the police on this thing. I want to find out where it was made if I can and who ordered it. Oh, I get it. Sure, I, I wouldn't stop you from doing that, even if I could. North American Van Lines. I wonder if I can get some information about a driver of yours, Harold Corey. I phoned his home and couldn't get him. Is he out of town? Uh, just a second. Yeah, Harold Corey's on a run to Philadelphia. Oh, when's he due back? He's uh, doing tonight, about uh, oh, about three a.m. tomorrow morning. Thanks very much. 
Expense account item three, seven dollars. Drinks and dinner after I checked into the Bristol Hotel. Item four, a nickel. Phone call to Joan Sebastian's employer. Edward Hollis was at home and would see me. Come into the living room, Mr. Dollar. We may as well be comfortable. It's nice of you to see me, Mr. Hollis. I thought it'd be better to do it this way rather than bother you at work. Of course, and I appreciate it. The atmosphere at the office has been gloomy enough. Oh, uh, this is Mrs. Hollis, Mr. Dollar. Oh, how do you do? Quite well, thank you. I didn't know the poor girl, but it's a dreadful thing. Yes, I'm afraid it is. They don't understand. A young girl like that with everything to live for. Well, it, it may be even worse than that. Worse? How could it be worse? It looks more and more like her death was not a suicide. Oh. Mr. Dollar. I didn't mention it on the phone. The, the police think it was murder, though, and so do I. I thought it'd be better to save the blow until I got out here. You know, murder's pretty messy. Well, this is a shock. I I suppose I could be dragged into a courtroom along with everybody else who knew her. Edward. Uh, Beatrice, uh, you run along upstairs. There's no reason for your going through this. All right, Edward. I think I'd rather. Good night, Mr. Dollar. Good night. I'm sorry, but it couldn't be helped. Of course it couldn't. I understand. I'll make this as fast as possible, Mr. Hollis. I don't know how much you knew about Joan Sebastian's private life. I knew nothing. I have a number of girls in the office, and it's been my philosophy to remember that not too long ago, I was as young as they are. As long as they do their work well, I ask no questions. As a matter of fact, I have no right to. Sure. From what I've gathered, she was mixed up emotionally. She hadn't had much freedom because of an invalid mother she took care of. Oh, I did know that. When the mother went to a hospital, Joan began to make up for lost time. She led her friends to believe that she ran around with a lot of men. But I don't believe that. Oh? I think it was one man. Would you give me the names of the girls she worked with? I'd like to talk to them and find out if something may have come out over lunch or cocktail. Yes, I'd rather my staff wasn't upset too much, but uh, I'll tell you. You'll want to question them separately? That's right. And I could give you the names now, but uh, if you'll phone me at the office in the morning, I'll give you their addresses and phone numbers. That would help. Uh, good. You can call any time after 9.30. I called the next morning and got a list of six feminine names, which I pocketed for later reference. And at 10.30, I was at the home of Harold Corey, a ground-floor apartment on Hemingway Street. Yeah? Who is it? My name is Dollar. Come later, will you? I don't want to talk to anybody right now. I'm an insurance investigator. I want to talk to you about Joan Sebastian. Who have you talked to? Why did she do it? She didn't. What do you mean? It's a mistake? In a way, yeah. It's murder. Murder? You're crazy. Am I? Well, maybe you are. She'd never kill herself, would she? She had no reason to. When did you see her last? Night before I left for Philadelphia. When was that? Two nights ago, Tuesday. I left at five Wednesday morning. She was found Wednesday morning. What are you driving at, mister? When did you learn that she was seeing somebody else when you were out of town? Didn't know she was. Look, Corey, I'm not tossing suspicions around to see how they bounce off you. You're in a bad way, do you know that? You're telling me you think I killed her? Me? I loved her. I wanted to marry her. That's a motive, not an alibi. Get out of here, will you? Leave me alone. You aren't helping yourself with this act. You're making it worse. Get out of here before I do have a murder to answer for. Get out. 
Get out! Lieutenant DeRosa. This is Dollar, Lieutenant. Hey, I've been kicking myself for not getting your hotel yesterday. Well, I didn't have one then, but I got a few things to pass along to you now. Well, if it's the Sebastian thing, save him. What do you mean? It's suicide after all. How come? Autopsy report. There was concussion from that drop from the bridge, but that wasn't the cause of death. Now, wait a minute. Cause of death was from carbon monoxide. It looks like she pulled the suicide where it would embarrass somebody, and they tossed her in the creek to get her out of the way. Hello? You still there, Dollar? Yeah, I'm still here. This is where I came in. We'll return you to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. But first, one of radio's greatest stars has returned to CBS The Star's Address. He's Frank Sinatra. Frank will be here every Sunday afternoon for a full hour of songs, comedy, and commentary on popular music. The Frank Sinatra Show is a part of CBS's new lineup of entertainment on Sunday afternoons. Join CBS every Sunday afternoon, won't you? Now, with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return you to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Yes, Sergeant said you were waiting for me. Oh, yeah, yeah. I told him you'd be showing up. Sit down, Dollar. You didn't seem to like the latest development. Well, I've been working from other directions. Give it to me again, will you? Well, here's the autopsy report. Death by asphyxia caused by carbon monoxide, agent unknown. Probably automobile engine exhaust. That's the most popular these days. Do you believe this, Lieutenant? I believe what's on the report. And how did you say she got into the river? I said maybe she committed suicide somewhere so that somebody would get involved. Maybe in the driveway of somebody who didn't want to get involved. To get rid of her, she was probably moved to the stream. What's the matter? Don't you like that? What else does the report say? Oh, uh, symptoms of severe concussion. I thought you'd be happy with this suicide evidence. The insurance company hired me to dig up facts. If it was suicide, all right. But if it wasn't, they want to know that too. And I don't think it was. Why not? Well, from what I've learned, she wasn't the type. She liked to be alive, and she played it hard enough to leave some motives lying around. Jealousy, for one. That boyfriend of hers? Ah, you know about him, then. Yeah, Corey, isn't it? A truck driver? That's right. And then there's this. Look. What's this unlock? I wish I could tell you. It was given to her by somebody. I'd like to know who. Would you put a couple of men on it, find out where it was made? I could do it, but I think the police can get it done faster. All right, Dollar, I'll stick my neck out that far. I'm under orders, you know that. I have to be assigned before I can investigate. Yeah, sure, sure. But I'll take your story upstairs and see what the chief says. Let me know what else you find. I will. Uh, say, do you have the address of the old flame you mentioned? The mother's friend? <laughs> Still like to settle for fraud, wouldn't you? <laughs> the desk sergeant will give you his address. His name's Paul Anderson. <laughs> Mr. Anderson? I am. I'm from Joan Sebastian's insurance company. One of you'd spare me a few moments. Why, yes, I suppose so. Come in. 
I didn't know she had a policy. She did. $25,000 to go to her mother. I see. Her death has been classed as a suicide, which voids the policy. The two-year self-destruction clause is still in effect. And that's a pity. Why'd you say that? Well, it's the least she could do for poor Mildred. That's her mother? Yes, an extremely young mother. Who's almost ruined her life for that girl. I didn't know that. Daughter was born when Mildred was only 17. She was left to care for the child herself. I helped as much as I could. How well did you know the girl after she grew up? Why, she's a friend of her mother's. Why do you ask? Which one did you know first? I don't see what this has to do with the matter. You don't have to answer. I don't want you to misunderstand. There's nothing to be hidden. I suppose it is unusual. I did meet Joan first. But when she took me to her house and I met her mother, I realized that Joan was, well, no more than a cheap little opportunist. The complete opposite from her mother. As I say, I suppose it is unusual. That doesn't make any difference. Point is that you dropped the girl in favor of her mother. Is that it? It wasn't the gross situation you evidently wish it had been. I realized Mildred's condition and the lack of care. I knew she needed someone, and I I did what I could for her. Did you send her to the rest home? I did. Now, look here. This has gone far enough. You ask me these questions for one reason, so that you can make your own conclusions, haven't you? I didn't know it showed. It does. You think I sent Mildred to the home to get her out of the way, don't you? That is not the case. You can think what you like. Go ask Mildred if you care to. I won't bother her. Do you know anything about a gold key that Joan had? A gold key? No, I don't know anything about a gold key. I've known very little about Joan all these past months. I could have told you that she was headed toward a bad end a long time ago. Now she's reached it. There's no one to blame but herself. It was 4 p.m. then, and at 5, I was standing in front of the North American Band Building on Columbus Avenue as Harold Corey backed a big rig into a parking area and headed for a quick-order restaurant. Hello, Corey. What this time? Dispatcher tells me you're going out on another run. Pretty short layover, isn't it? That's right, I asked for it. I figured driving, I'd get my mind off this thing. What do you want? Do you know how she died? I read about it. Carbon monoxide. Do you still think it couldn't have been suicide? She's dead. That's as far as I can think. You knew about Paul Anderson, didn't you? What about Paul? That he might have been more interested in Joan than he was in her mother? I suppose you're just doing a job, aren't you? What you say is true, I didn't know about it. If I had known about it, I would have gone after him, not Joan. I can't take any more, mister. Look, I don't enjoy it either, Corey. Like you say, I'm just doing a job. After questioning the six girls who had worked with Joan Sebastian, I was still nowhere. None of them knew anything about a private life. The next morning, the police located a goldsmith who said he remembered making the key. The police told me you might come in, Mr. Dada. No trouble at all. <laughs> Happy to oblige. Good. You've seen the key? Yes, the officer showed it to me. Oh, friendly young man. I have it with me. You're sure you made it? Oh, yes, positive. See here? I'll admit to a quaint conceit. You see here? Potted scroll? See the letters? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, C.S. <laughs> My initials, Cedric Foss. Oh. But I haven't the faintest recollection who I made it for. I told that young officer that, too. I don't even remember when. Oh, there's so much work, you know. Well, maybe I can help you. It would have been between seven and eight months ago. Do you keep any kind of record? Oh, of course I do. I'm bound to. A matter of law. Seven or eight months should have... Uh, let me see. That would be uh, November, October... September. Seven would be March. Uh, eight would be February. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Here we are. Here we are. Uh, oh, frankly, I'm intrigued. How many of my items may have been involved with tragedy? Who knows? Perhaps I'm a curse. <laughs> I was hoping you'd be a cure for this one. Well, I hope so. You wouldn't know what week or day. Oh, I'm afraid not. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, my. Oh, my. February wasn't a very good month, was it? Post holiday slump. Reset, change rings, set opals. Oh, dreadful stuff. Uh, oh. Hmm? What? No, 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 no. That's much too small. Key for a jewel box. Well, let me see, let me see. Ah, uh, ah, March. Yes, engraved spoon. Reset, reset, repair, brazen. Yeah. Ah. Here it is. Door key in gold. March 17th. What name? <laughs> Do not deliver. We'll call J.E. Carter. J.E. Carter. Does that help? No, no, not a bit. Do you remember anything about him? No, paid in cash. Uh, oh, wait, now, that was the day Mrs. Brand brought the baby shoe in for placing. She's the councilman's wife. I remember that. It was snowing. That was the day it was ordered, yes. huh? Yes, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. It was modeled from a plain old cast house key. Uh-huh. I cannot picture him. But I'd done some apartment keys, and he said this was for a cottage. Outside of town? It was a surprise for his wife, someplace on the bay. I remember that because of the hideous weather, and I could just feel that wind coming through one of those summer cottages. Now, do you think you'd recognize him if you saw him again? Well, I can't say until I do. Uh, I could try. Uh, well, we may have to call on you then. Thanks. Thanks a lot. I think you've helped. How'd you make out with that fussy little man, Dollar? We found the day the key was ordered, and he remembered a few things because a councilman's wife came in the same day. Why? Well, the customer, Carter was the name he used, mentioned a cottage on the bay. Now, that's east, and the girl's body was found northwest of here. I think she was dumped from a car coming toward Boston from out there. So I think the cottage is in that direction. <laughs> Deduction, yet. Look, if I were going to dump a body, I wouldn't carry it across two traffic lanes, would you? I'm being paid to think about another case. I couldn't sell the murder pitch upstairs. But I tried, and I'll buck for a promotion if you're right and upstairs is wrong. I don't suppose you could earn that promotion by assigning some men to cover that section. Huh? Oh, not a chance. That's county. Division of responsibility. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I, for one, wouldn't be surprised to know how many people have died because of that division of responsibility. Expense account item four, $35 mileage covering a two-and-a-half-day search of real estate offices northwest of Boston. Object, a cottage rented a few days before March 17th by a man possibly using the name J.E. Carter. It was morning tonight legwork, but on the afternoon of the third day, it paid off. I found an agent who had rented a cottage to a J.E. Carter. She took me out, but before we went into the place, I noticed a lean-to garage marked up by plenty of tire tracks. Inside, I found a stained rug, among other things. Well, Mr. Dollar, I've always said I personally vouch for the people I do business with. You never know, do you? I should say you don't. Do you want to go now? I think I've seen enough. 
Let me lock it. I want to see if this key fits. It does fit. Yeah. It sure does. Hello, Mr. Hollis. May I come in? Why, yes, yes, of course. Come in. Well, I didn't expect you to come back. Didn't you, Mr. Hollis? You thought you'd get away with this, huh? What did you say? Well, now, there's no reason to be clever with each other, Mr. Hollis. I know you killed her. You rented a cottage out beyond Mystic River. You used the name J.E. Carter when you bought the gold key. I did that? I'm afraid you did. Come into the other room. Yes, you're right, I did. I became infatuated with her. If you'd known her, you'd understand. I I realized last week that it had to stop, and I told her. She uh, had been going with that young Corey boy. I told her that even if I was single and eligible to marry, I would advise her to hang on to him, someone her own age. That was last Tuesday night? Yes. She left the cottage, and I heard her drive off. Or at least I thought I did. When I went out, I... I learned what she had really done. She committed suicide in the car. You can hardly blame me for wanting to keep the secret. No, you've been reading the papers, Mr. Hollis. Suicide and all that. I've been inside your cottage. You didn't do a very good job of cleaning up the bloodstains. You're right, Mr. Dollar. There seems to be no longer any reason to attempt cleverness. I'll make my statement to the police. I'll drive you down. Thank you. How did you find out, Dollar? There was a Wall Street Journal there, addressed to you. Oh, I see. Edward? Uh, Beatrice, go upstairs. No, Edward, I won't. I insist, Beatrice. What good would it do? Do what I've done because I lost you? Why should you ask me to go upstairs while I lose you again? I forbid you to say another word. Forbid, Edward. You have no right. I found them, the Dollar. It took a long time, but I found them. She had taken him from me because she was beautiful. And I no longer am. I was waiting in the cottage. And when they came in, I struck her. Is this true, Mrs. Hollis? I killed her. And since there was nothing left, we carried her to the cop. <laughs> Beatrice. Beatrice, what have I done? What have I done? <laughs> Expense account item five, $110, final bill for car rental. Item six, $85, miscellaneous. Expense account total, $356.75. Remarks? I don't know what sticklers the Massachusetts law courts are, but Joan Sebastian was not killed by the wronged wife. She was unconscious but alive when Hollis put her in his car trunk. She died there by carbon monoxide. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd with music by Wilbur Hatch. 
Edmund O'Brien may soon be seen in the Paramount Pictures production, Warpath. Featured in tonight's cast were Virginia Gregg, Howard McNear, Virginia Eiler, Wally Mayer, John Stevenson, Bill Johnstone, and Raymond Burr. Yours truly, Johnny Dollars, transcribed in Hollywood by Jaime Del Valle. This is Dan Coverly inviting you to join us next week at this time when we will again bring you Edmund O'Brien as... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Stay tuned for Vaughn Monroe's Caravan, which follows immediately over most of these same CBS stations. This is CBS, where Hopalong Cassidy rides every Saturday night, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Radio Days, your home for the best of Golden Age Radio, when radio was king. If you enjoyed tonight's show, please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. And one note, don't forget to pick up 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we'll be back soon. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>